Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,156. Today we're with the CEO of Meekum Auctions. We're going to be talking about the collector car market, what happened down during car week with record sales, and a whole lot more. Hold your bitter card up high. Today, be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Walworth, Wisconsin. Yeah, I've been there before with a very special returning guest by the name of Dave Majors. Dave, welcome to Cars Yeah. Welcome back to Cars Yeah, I should say. Do you have any gear and are you ready to release the clutch? I am always ready to to take off. Absolutely. Now, last time you were on the show was Christmas Eve 2020. Boy, a lot has changed since then, improved in many ways, which is great. You were guest number 1736 back then. And I may have asked you this question back then, but I'm going to ask you again before we dive into what's going on in the auction world. What's one little thing that people don't know about you, Dave? <laughs> well, there's probably a lot of things that uh, <laughs> that people don't know about me that I'm not sure that uh, I want people to know. Keep but your the one cards that, close to the one, vest. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I don't want to let out all my secrets. Yeah. But the one that uh, usually surprises people is that uh, I'm in the car business now. And, of course, we've been with Meekum now for 10 years and always been a car guy. But I am actually a CPA by uh, training and uh, with an accounting degree. And I have a master's degree in finance. And I came out of, of 37 years in the... Uh, the world of uh, major insurance companies. The last uh, 12 or so years of that 37-year career as the CFO of a roughly $50 billion insurance company. So it's wow. People are always curious about uh, my transition from from big corporate America to uh, to being a car guy. But I, I always tell them uh, there's quite a difference in my two careers, and this one is a lot more fun than the first one. <laughs> well, it's all about money because uh, buying and selling collector cars, of course, involves capital. I think it's cool that you made this transition into the car world, which is your passion, but still kept all that knowledge, which you brought forward to make them to those guys there. And no doubt it's worked pretty well because this has been a nice 10-year run for you and for Meekum. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Done really well. So let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to really focus on what happened down during during Car Week just recently here, because you and I just returned from that. The collector car world, your insights and thoughts on that. Not only what's happened during the COVID pandemic and as we ease our way out of that, but what may be happening in the future. So here we go. Dave Majors is the CEO of Meekum Auctions, where he has served since 2013. The Meekum Auction Company is the world leader of collector car vintage and antique motorcycle and road art sales, hosting auctions, Throughout the United States, no, no doubt you, many of you have been to a Meekum auction. They are quite exciting. The company has been specializing in the sale of collector cars for more than 30 years, now offering more than 20,000 lots per year and averaging more than one auction every month. You're, you're about as busy as a podcaster, a guy named Mark Green I've heard of. <laughs> And as he said, he uh, had 40 years of experience in the business and finance sector, so he knows about capital, how to move it around, and more importantly, how to have fun with it. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love. They're the reason we have gas in our tanks here, and we'll be right back. Covercraft has the most complete line of custom seat covers available. Choose between the poly cotton seat savers 
Endura Precision Fit Custom Seat Covers, Leatherette Precision Fit Custom Seat Covers, and their durable Carhartt Seat Covers. They're all easy to install and remove. And guess what? They're machine washable too. Easy cleanup to make them look brand new. No more worries about the kids spilling on your seats or your pets damaging your expensive upholstery or leather. Covercraft's quality seat covers protect from damaging pet claws, pet fur, hair, mud, moisture, food, drink spills, drool from permanently damaging your vehicle's fine surfaces. Headrest and armrest covers and color options are also available on many of the styles. And I've got a great offer for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping with the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Visit Covercraft.com today. American Collectors Insurance is my go-to and it should be yours for collector car insurance. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles. If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Jim Canova is a past guest here on Cars Yeah, and he's detailed over 8,000 vehicles. And that kind of professional experience leads to innovation. He was tired of uncomfortable stools and creepers and being down on his knees when detailing cars. So as a result, Jim thought, you know what, there must be a better way. And he invented the Bumby Seat. His unique design gets you off your knees and your bum onto a far more comfortable seating position for all your low-level automotive detailing. The Bumby Seat, with its patented full-flat design, allows you to adjust your position to the task at hand. Convenient side trays hold your car care products, tools, cloths, or a tasty beverage. Built for the toughest driveways and garage tasks, the Bumby Seat has wheels that roll easily over almost any surface, and it makes a great around-the-home adjustable stool for hobbies, yard work, or take it to the car show. The full-flat design makes storage a breeze. Jim has launched an Indiegogo fundraiser, and you can get in on the start of what's sure to be an industry favorite. Go to Indiegogo.com and type in Bumby Seat, that's B-U-M-B-E-E, Seat, to be one of the first in line to start improving your automotive detailing experience today. That's Bumby Seat on the Indiegogo.com website. A fun folding mobile seat design. So, Dave, uh, we just returned from another incredible 
Pebble Beach Concord Car Week, Monterey Car Week, whatever you want to call it, it's all about six, seven days of just cars, cars, cars. And every time I come back, I I tell my wife, I need a vacation. Uh, (laughs) That was incredible. So let's talk a little bit, but I want to first go back to last year because 2021, oh my gosh, a stellar year for you guys. I think it was $578 million in total sales, 90% overall sell through. You guys know what you're doing. So let's talk about 2021 and maybe some of the thoughts from your input being on the inside and how exciting it was because boy you guys did awesome yeah and and actually mark that's uh the numbers that you quote our calendar 2021 our fiscal year uh, actually runs from february 1st to uh january 31st so if if you look at that year in particular we were close to 700 million of total sales last year which uh is that was a record for the most sales by a collector car, live collector car auction company mm-hmm. in history. And also included another, a couple of other very important milestones. We were the first collector car auction company to have an event, a single event that exceeded $200 million of sales, which we did uh, at January 2022 event, our, our event in Kissimmee, Florida. Mm-hmm. And that along with, as I said, becoming the the world record holder, if you will, not only for uh, most sales in a year by a collector car auction company, but that particular Kissimmee sale at $217 million, uh, at the time was the record for the largest single collector car auction uh, ever My goodness. Uh, up until uh, just last week when, <laughs> yeah. uh, when things went a little bit crazy and, uh, and auction companies actually exceeded that record. So it's what we saw in, in Monterey last week was actually just a continuation of what uh, we at Mecham have seen uh, since we came back to live auctions in, in July of 2020. It's incredible. Yeah, it was a record setter. Uh, it was a record setter for auction companies you know, individually. It was a record setter uh, for sales totals collectively. That's pretty much what we've seen in in every auction that we've had since July of 2020 has been, for the most part, with just a couple of exceptions, has been a record for that particular event, if not uh, some kind of a national record as well. So the, the markets are red hot. They just continue. Yeah, they do. And you and I had a nice little chat before we started the show here today. And I want to have you repeat some of the things we talked about, because the question I've had many people on the show this year talking about what's happening in the collector car market. I sold a collector car this year that I had for a long time, I got a record price for it. And I just kind of went, wow. Now, not that I could time the market because I wish I could. Uh, maybe I'd be doing this from my yacht somewhere out in the Mediterranean. But it, it's been pretty incredible. So when you think about what's happened since COVID, COVID, what's going on, the whys behind it. You had some very insightful thoughts on why you think so many people have migrated into the collector car market as far as moving their capital from other places, other assets, or just places in the bank that don't earn any money or the market, which has been a little, <laughs> a, a lot dicey this year, I will say. So, so what are your thoughts on this? Why does this just keep happening? Well, you know, I think a lot of people who have investments in one place or another, for instance, if you have investments in the equity markets today, or even the bond markets for that matter, that have been uh, a little fragile, uh, there's a lot of risk in the markets. And a lot of people have seen portfolios that have declined anywhere from maybe 10% to 30% over the you know last very short period. So I, I think that volatility in the markets and then the idea that if you're if you want to be completely safe and you're putting money in treasuries or you're putting money in you know in your savings account at the bank you're not really earning much of a return on that and the thought then just becomes 
you know, if I don't want all the risk and that risk doesn't seem to be rewarding me right now and I don't like the returns I get in riskless kinds of investments, you know, maybe it's time just to take the money and, and do something that I can have fun with and not only have fun with it, but when you look at the collector car market over the last 15 years or so, it actually has turned into a pretty good investment product as an alternative investment. So, you know, here's an investment that's doing very well that I can actually go out in my garage and look at, maybe drive around the block on, on Sunday or, or go to the park. So right. I, I think it's just a, I think it's a great alternative right now. And then, you know, couple that with the idea that we are, you know, coming out of a pandemic, hopefully uh, close to being out of a pandemic and, and people have been, have been locked up uh, for two years and, you know, looking to get out and have a little fun. And I, I also think that there's, uh, there's been a kind of a renewed sense of our own mortalities mm-hmm. during, uh, you know, during the pandemic. I think there, you know, the thought is I was always going to do something someday and the pandemic made us all realize that, you know, maybe there isn't a someday, maybe, you know, maybe right. I, I, I'm not guaranteed to have anything passed today. And so that, that collector car, that thing that I was always going to do for me someday, maybe now is the time to do it. So what we've seen for those reasons is that brings buyers to the market. And and we've seen a huge increase in the number of registered bidders for our particular events. And of course, when you have a lot of buyers, that creates a lot of competition, that creates a lot of demand. Uh, prices go up because supply has not yet caught up with demand. That's just you know, fundamental, supply-demand balance. And for for instance, in your case, when uh, cart owners see uh, prices on the rise, they want to capitalize on that. So not only are we seeing a large increase in bidders coming to uh, particularly Meekum auctions, but we're seeing a great number of cars and they're great quality of cars. So it's kind of the, if you will, it's the perfect storm uh, right now where there's a lot of cars coming to market. They're great cars and there are a lot of people uh, looking for those cars and, and that creates a very strong market. Let's look uh, for a moment, too, at demographics. Now, I'm what my kids call a boomer guy. Uh, I wear that that badge with pride, uh, even though they have some fun with we, it. We survived. Yeah, we made it. You know, we're still here. <laughs> you know, it's that, that line from Papillon, I'm still here, as he floats yeah. away. I think he used some yeah. uh, words we don't use here. But uh, uh, at any rate, what about... I see a younger group coming in, these millennials that are coming into the market now. They're they're at a point in their lives, like you and I were back when we got into our, let's say, 30s. We started making a little extra money. We could play with a little bit. Do you see a big movement from that group of people, too, into the car market? Yeah, we've we've not only seen a, a big influx of of the, you know, 30 to 40 year old range, even even late 20s coming into the market, uh, we've seen cars starting to come to market. And I'm thinking back now on uh, the Monterey event, one of the or two of the most popular cars we had there were the uh, the Nissan Skylines, oh, which yes. are yeah. you know 1990s cars that are very attractive to those people that grew up in the late 80s and the and the 90s. So, I you know there's still a lot of popularity of you know, fifties and sixties muscle cars, you know, of course the, the Ford GTs of the, the early two thousands, a lot of the late model exotics. Uh, but, but we do see now, uh, cars that appeal more towards the eighties and nineties. Um, you know, people that were in, <laughs> in high school in the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. uh, than, than we've ever seen before. Fox body Mustangs, like I said, the Skylines, a lot of the Corvettes from that era as well. So it's not as a replacement to, um, the attraction to the things that we've traditionally seen at our auctions, uh, 
uh, it's more of a, a complement to that and an addition to it. Yeah, it's very, very cool. When you think about what's happening now and into the future, and I know it's dangerous to look any further than maybe a few years into the future because you just don't know, especially with what we've been through. What has you most inspired about what's happening in the collector car market coming up, let's say, next year and the year beyond? You know, I and I inspired might be a tough word. <laughs> I, it has me intrigued, I ah, would say, okay. that the, you know, the, uh, the big push now for electric vehicles. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that question usually, when somebody asks me about that, the question usually starts with, do you think electric vehicles will be collectible someday? And and my answer to that is yes, uh, because there'll be an attraction for people that grew up with electric vehicles, just as there have been with, with, you know, combustible engine vehicles. But I also think the other side of that is, if we're not going to see combustion engine vehicles, gas-powered vehicles in the future, then I think that makes what what we've typically been collecting even more collectible, mm. if that makes sense. So, you know, of course, we're not making, uh, you know, 69 Mustangs anymore, but but it's different if we're not making gas-powered vehicles anymore. So I think I think there's going to be a new market in, in electric vehicles at some point in time, but I think that that transition that, that the country and certainly the world seems to be going through moving to electric vehicles or hydrogen-powered vehicles, I think is going to make the gas-powered vehicle even more rare and more desirable, more collectible. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, the other big surge I'm seeing not only with guests that I've had here on Cars, yeah, but also just out in the market is this, I'll use the uh, Rob Dickinson Singer word, reimagined, taking classic cars, but reimagining them into a more drivable, fun experience, because many of us have dreamed about owning a classic car, and then we go and drive one, and we go, oh, <laughs> this isn't what I thought it was going to be. My Camry drives better than this. Now, I've rolled some eyes with that comment, but I think you understand what I'm saying. But all these yep. companies that are making these reimagined, more up-to-date modern cars, but they still look old, like Scouts and Broncos and, of course, Porsches. And uh, Cyan is making the P1800 Volvo, which I got to see at the Quail, which is beautiful in person. Uh, what are your thoughts on those as auction cars? Are you starting to see those come through as well, even though they're relatively new in the marketplace? Yeah, it, you know, time will tell. Um, you're you're exactly right. They are relatively new, so we're seeing a lot of. And I'll take the Ford Bronco as an example. We've seen a, a tremendous number of Ford Bronco, new Ford Broncos that have crossed the auction block. Uh, but that typically, and we see that with other vehicles as well. That's typically because uh, at the early launch, they're very rare and very hard to come by. Mm -hmm. Uh, so someone who happens to be lucky enough to be, you know, close to the front of the line and is able to obtain one of those vehicles early on uh, sees an opportunity to turn that in and make a profit for it. Mm -hmm. I don't think for for a lot of those, um, you know, like the Bronco, which is you know, a good example, I, I don't think that the verdict is in yet on how collectible that will be in the future. But uh, if you look back on the Broncos from the 70s, uh, if that's any indication, they're, they're going to be very, very collectible cars because, you know, you, can, you almost can't even touch a Bronco from, you know, back in the 70s any longer. Good ones. I mean, they're they're very expensive. But we do see, you know, if you, if you look more towards the higher end, uh, and I always jokingly like to take uh, credit for a lot of these reinventions, if you will, because of the success we have in selling the original. So if if we go back uh, seven, eight, nine years ago, 
uh, it's when we started to see the 2005 and 2006 Ford GTs come to market. And they did very, very well. They always sold for almost twice what the sticker was when they were, when they were sold originally. And, you know, that, that market went so well that, you know, I just wonder if somebody didn't scratch their head at some point in time and say, you know, we ought to reintroduce that car. And then suddenly in 2017, we saw the new Ford GTs, which have done very well also. And, you know, I wonder if that has something to do with the success of the, the sell on the secondary market of the, of the previous models, the 2005s and 2006s. Well, probably part of it, but also supply and demand. You can't get those things. Try to go buy one. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, kind of uh, on the on the coattails of that conversation, um, also what we've seen really start to take off in the last, you know, three years or so, particularly before the pandemic and now after the pandemic, are what we call customs or what the market calls resto mods. Where, where someone has actually taken a 63 split window Corvette and completely updated it so the, so the car looks like it did when it rolled off the factory floor. Uh, but all of the drivetrain, the motor, the electronics and everything in our, are brand new, our, you know, 2022 technology. Yeah. And those cars, if they're well done, are, are bringing huge premiums. It's, and that's an interesting, uh, development for them because I remember, uh, when I saw the first Restomod, it was a Corvette. It was at our auction in Indianapolis many years ago, probably eight or nine years ago. And the market looked at it as some kind of an aberration. Right. Now, why would you take this beautiful Corvette and, and do that to it? And so it got very little attention. But, you know, over the years, people understand that the preservation aspect of that and the ability, as you were saying, to, to be able to have a 63 split window, but it drives like a brand new car, um, those those are starting to bring, you know, three, four times sometimes what a fully restored vehicle would bring. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think it really is going back to what I said, that when you have a, my next door neighbor is a good example. For years, he wanted a Corvette, old, late 50s, early 60s Corvette. And when he finally could buy one, that was nicely restored and, and he drove it. He kind of went, ugh. It's <laughs> like, like a truck. This is, because your mindset isn't ready for that because that was long ago technology. So I, I think that plays into those of us that, and I love Porsche 911. So there's not only Singer, but RSR projects. There's, I saw some other new ones when I was at Car Week. All these cars that they've made so much better. Gunther, uh, Peter Nam, Gunther Works, you know, brought his his version. I call it my, my Orange Crush. Um, and of course, Rob doing his version of the Turbo 930 Turbo. So yeah, these are cars that those of us who can afford those. Not that I can afford a Singer, but you know, I think you know what I mean. Can get in one, can drive yeah. and go. Okay, this brings back the feeling, but it does it in a way that. Is so comfortable and so nice and so fast because my 930 Turbo <laughs> wasn't that fast of a car when you compare it to even my E46 M3. Back in the day, it was a supercar. So yeah, things are changing. Now, what happened during your guys' auction down during car week that really surprised you, kind of made your eyes roll a little bit? There are there any with kinds of cars? With our auction in particular? Yeah, with your auction. You know, maybe a car or two that you went, wow, I didn't see that coming. Well, we, we had, uh, as as part of our lineup at, at Monterey, we had the collection of uh, Ferrari pro- prototypes. Yes. And there were three uh, La Ferrari prototypes that actually represented each of the three iterations of the development process of the La Ferrari from starting in 2011 up until its introduction in 2013, its launch in 2014. And then there was a, a prototype of a Ferrari TDF. And 
those were those were interesting additions, interesting consignments for our uh, for our auction there because they're you really don't know how they're going to do. You don't know there are, there are no comps. You don't know what the value should be. Uh, those cars came all the way from Europe. Uh, took uh, six months to get them here. Um, they were they were beautiful examples of you know the Ferrari development process. But you don't know if anybody's actually going to be interested in those cars because they they're sold on a bill of sale. They can't be titled. They can't take them out and drive them on public roads. Uh, so they they made a great display, but they made us a little nervous on uh, what kind of attention they would get. But they they ended up getting uh, considerable attention. There was a lot of uh, spirited bidding on those. We sold all four of them individually. Uh, they went to three different people. Uh, one buyer bought two, and then the other two went to uh, other individuals. And they did very well. They actually did, uh, surprisingly. We had made some estimates in our own mind on collectively what they might bring, and, and they were pretty close to that number. So nice. Um, that was a, a relief because they did sell, but a surprise, I think, as well, because we were pretty much spot on with what we thought they might be worth. Well, you guys know what you're doing. My goodness. Been doing it for a long time. So there you go. Yeah. We're, we're going to take a short break. Thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to get some insights from you on maybe some specific cars at your auction during car week. So keep the seatbelts on. Keep your bitter cards in hand. And we'll be right back. You listeners know I've been into car care my entire life. I am so excited to team up with AutoGeek in 2022. AutoGeek.net has been a leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started in 1997 as a mail order catalog company has grown into a multi-website based e-commerce store that they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries and its retail sector ships worldwide. Go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and their stellar technical support. AutoGeek.net. It's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives 
The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So I typically ask my guests, and I did of you last time you were on the show, about a special vehicle story. I'm going to switch this up. Was there one car that rolled across the auction block at Mecham during Car Week that you went, oh, man, I'd like to have that in my garage? <laughs> yeah, I would say that, I would say there was, but the but the problem with that is I'm not sure that my garage would fit it. Oh, um, I, oh, okay. I, <laughs> I, I actually just fell in love with the uh, Duesenberg uh, Ralston J that we had, the Ooh. long body car. Big car. Uh, it was just incredible. You know, I, I've always been in love with Duesenbergs to begin with. I just, when you look at a Duesenberg, you see the 1930s Hollywood with, you know, Clark Gable, uh, you know, driving around Hollywood in his Duesenberg. And there, there's just a lot of, I think there's a lot of infatuation with those cars. And each of those cars has has a pretty significant history. Yeah. But this, I, this might be the first time I've seen a long body. The 151 inch, and it was actually sitting on our out on the fairway uh, next to uh, 141 inch Duesenberg, and it looked massive. It, it, that, that 10 inches made, made a huge, huge difference. And I, you know, like I said, I'm not sure that's the car I'd like to take home, put in my garage. But I'm not sure my garage was big enough to <laughs> to hold that car. So yeah, it, it it we ended up we did sell it at the auction. It did it did very well, and and you know. The Duesenbergs are will be very well taken care of, so I'm sure it, I'm sure it had a great home. Well, of course, the Duesenberg won on the lawn at Pebble as well this year, so uh, that yeah. was pretty cool as well. That was quite a special car, but yeah, those things are huge, and you don't realize until you get up next to one or try to park it in your garage. Uh, this isn't going to work. So uh, yeah, that would be pretty darn nice. I did. I didn't have a chance to drive that one myself, but I did talk to uh, one of our uh, Mecham employees that. I brought that car onto the onto the fairway, and I I just asked you know that that car is massive. How does that drive? And he said, honestly, it drives like a dream. Mm. Uh, he said the only the only difference that he noticed is in most of the Duesenbergs. I don't know if you've ever sat in the driver's seat of, of one of them, but you seem to sit up very high. Yes. And in this particular car, you sat down very low. So not only do you have that long front end out in front of you, you're kind of straining your neck a bit to see over the steering wheel to even to even see the front end of it. Wow. What an experience. Hard to imagine those cars back in the day, people driving through the streets. Of course, they usually had somebody driving them, perhaps, uh, versus driving it themselves. So, yeah, that uh, would be something. What's coming up in the future for the rest of this the year for Mecham? Well, you know, it it just seems to to continue. We uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks before uh, Car Week and the Monterey event, we were in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, because of the pandemic, it's the first time we were able to get back to Harrisburg uh, since 2019, and had a had a massively successful event. We had more cars than we've ever had there. We set a record for that event. Um, you know, again, kind of going back after a three year absence, it was 
we didn't know what to expect there. But that seems to be a continuation. We're getting ready to go to our uh, Dallas event uh, September 7th. Starts on a Wednesday, runs uh, September 7th through September 10th. Uh, the most cars we've ever had at a Dallas event is 1,100. Uh, we're in the K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center. We think it could hold almost 1,200, and we have 1,550 cars coming oh into that auction. Whoa! So we're you know we're scratching our head right now trying to figure out what we're going to do with all the cars. But that's that uh, kind of goes back to what we were talking about before that, that you know there's there are a lot of people looking to invest in collector cars. The the sellers know that the prices reflect that, and when we go to auction, we're just seeing we're just seeing big numbers of cars and they're great cars they're quality cars so we're we're looking forward to a to a very successful dallas event no doubt will be another record setter for that event and then uh, it looks like our our big event in Kissimmee um in january of 23 is setting up to be over four thousand cars this year and <laughs> my that's, gosh uh, that's about 700 more than we've ever had at that at that auction so we're we're thinking we just need to go to Kissimmee for the month of January and just sell cars every day. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, your operations logistics people are there at Mecham must their head must be spinning off their necks uh, at what they're trying to, you're all trying to achieve. I mean, you have an incredible team of people to pull off these kinds of numbers of vehicles. Just, I'm just trying to imagine, yeah, like you said, the logistics, where do you park yeah. them all, <laughs> you know? Well, and I... And I talk about Dallas in September and Kissimmee in January, but not to forget that uh, we have an, we have four events between those two. We have uh, Chattanooga and Chicago in October, and uh, our Las Vegas event in November, and our Kansas City event in December. And on top of that, the week after Dallas, we have a private collection uh, auction of a museum up in uh, northern Wisconsin. So it's you know I always talk about the big events, but uh, sometimes I forget to to you know to talk about everything that goes on in between those as well. So no doubt, and for all you listeners, of course, you can find Mecham online. You can see everything there about what's coming up in the future, about past shows. Uh, they've got a lot of resources there for you if you're new in the collector car market or you've been around for a while to help you make a decision what might what you might park in your garage next, and if it's going to be a Duesenberg, you might want to measure the garage first <laughs> before you bring that home. I was loaned a uh, Rolls Royce years ago uh, for the weekend by a local dealership. We were doing a thing, and and I brought it home, and I've got a pretty good sized garage but i had to angle that thing to park it and close the door at night. i think it was 22 <laughs> yeah, I think that feet would be the problem big phantom i think it was 22 feet long or something it was just yeah incredible you do feel like a king though when you're driving a big car like that it's not really my kind of car but you do feel pretty special when you look at and you see that uh, uh the spirit the gal with the wings on the hood and you yeah. go wow this is pretty 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 cool now last time you're on the show we talked a little bit about great books and there's a couple books that you listed i'm wondering if there's a couple more the collection of the federalist papers uh franklin and hamilton you talked about and it's not about the bike by lance armstrong is there another book that you've had a moment to read since then you might recommend you know, I and I, as you know, I'm I'm kind of a maybe a strange reader, and, <laughs> no, and the kinds of things unique, I, unique. the kind of things I tend to read. <laughs> well, they they have a lot to do with with current environment, and I I just finished a couple that that I thought were I think they're pretty important books. Neither one of them was particularly an easy read. One uh, is called Putin's People. Mm, wow, and it it discusses. Uh, uh, Putin's rise to power from his early days with the KGB in 
in Germany up until actually pretty late uh, with where we're at today and gives you some insights and some understandings of the thought processes and you know why certain things uh, happen the way they do. And then another one, like I said, you may not want to pick up my reading list, but uh, <laughs> one I just finished is called uh, Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order. Mm, and again, wow. talking about macroeconomic global issues, uh, you know, how China fits into things, you know, the, the uprise in Russia, North Korea, those. It, it's Again, it's very interesting. It's not, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't. And not like reading. Read something like that that's entertaining. And I tell you one that I really enjoyed uh, that I finished a couple of months ago. Um, I don't know if you're, I assume you're familiar with the company Coparts. Yes. Uh, and Willis Johnson, who started Coparts, uh, wrote a book some years ago called Junk to Gold, talking about his his career and, you know, how, how Coparts came to exist and the many successes they've had. So it's a, it's a, it's actually a great story in, you know, hard work and perseverance. And, you know, it's a great start with nothing and, and build a, a massive empire kind of story. So, Wow. You always bring some interesting reads here to Garz, yeah. So I'm glad I asked you about that. Yeah. Some heavy stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Big baggage, that's for sure. But, you know, important things to understand. And compared to the world today of, of short, uh, mini social media bites of, oh, now I know everything about what's going on versus real reading and books that can teach you to think and learn a little bit more about history, which is where all this comes from, uh, is super valuable. It's always, that's why I'm into books here at Cars, yeah, and have that great spot called Guest Recommended Books for everybody to enjoy. You know, this is really exciting to catch up with you, and I can't say congratulations enough to you and the Meekum team for what you guys did during Car Week. It was just a wonderful week. Uh, aside from your auctions, was there something you did during Car Week that really stood out for you that uh, you went, man, I'm glad I did that. You know, we, and, and, and you've been to car week, you know, how congested the, oh, gosh. you know, things become on the peninsula. So I, I would love to have, you know, traveled around to some of the various events and auctions, but um, by the time we spend all day at our event and, and then not wanting to, to deal with all the traffic and the logistics, we stay pretty close to home. So we, you know, I, I, I think uh, we, we had a great auction. We had some great cars. We had bigger crowds than we've ever had at the event, which I think is consistent with almost every event on the peninsula. And and a little bit of a change since uh, you and I spoke last, uh, we have our new relationship with Motor Trend. Yes. And we were able to produce some great television uh, from the peninsula with Motor Trend. I had some great guests uh, that were on that TV show as well. And so that's, you know, to be able to bring the, the Monterey event uh, to Motor Trend and the viewers of Motor Trend, I thought was you know, that's new for us, and that was uh, something we felt very good about. We had a we had a lot of live TV uh, that, yes. that came about from that that auction. So yeah, it's been a great relationship for us. I think it's fantastic. So before I let you go, are there some maybe some words of wisdom, advice? Now this could be inspirational. This could be about collecting cars. Could be about anything that you might share with our listeners. Yeah, I, and and I've said this, you know, many times before, you know, car car collecting number one can be a good investment, but that's not the reason that most people are collecting cars. And and it doesn't matter if you have one car or two hundred cars. Look for look for the car that's your passion, something that you just feel strongly about. And nobody buys a car because they think, you know, I'm going to buy this car and it's going to go up in value. They buy it because they love it. They may have some personal history with a car. And they just want to drive it. It just it just reminds them of something, makes makes them feel good. So, 
for people that are in the, you know, that are just coming into car collecting and wondering, what should I collect? You know, can you give me some advice? I always tell them to collect what you love. You know, what's what's the car you've always dreamed of? Think about that. And and maybe it's maybe that particular car might be out of your price range right now. But you know, it's something to grow into. We've all started with, with vehicles maybe lower or, or not exactly what we wanted, and then you you have that for a couple of years, and you trade it up to something else, and you trade it up to something else, and pretty soon, you know, a little bit of a time at a time, you've you've gotten to that place where you want to be and you're driving that, that car that you want to drive or looking at it in your garage or wherever that might be. So it's a, this is a, a hobby, if you will, of passion and, and it should be looked at that way. Absolutely. I have a good friend, Scott, who over the years, many years, he's been buying used Porsches. He always buys, and this is what Bruce Myers, the consummate car collector, has always said, buy the best you can, cry only once, and go forward. So spend as much as you can, yep. but get the best you can. And that's what my buddy has done. And he his dream is to buy and order a new Porsche exactly how he wanted it. And then after probably the last, I've known him for 20 plus years, he just did it. He just kept building and building and building and yep. growing and growing, tucking that money away. And he finally ordered... Uh, uh, his first brand new Porsche, and he's just thrilled. And uh, yeah, but buy the best you ca- you can. And when you're dealing with Meekum, you know you're dealing with high quality. And uh, like I said, there's so many great people at Meekum that can help you make decisions at their website, Meekum.com. Check them out. Dave, thanks for coming back and spending some time with me. I'm sorry we weren't able to connect when we were down at Car Week, but gee, there was a lot of people there to try to get through the crowd <laughs> to find yeah, you. But I, I definitely got to connect with a lot of past guests. Uh, hopefully, the next Meekum auction, I'll be able to step up and say hello to you. But I really want to thank you for taking time. And of course, David, one of your teammates there who got us back together. David, thank you very much. And until you and I talk again, I usually say I'll see you down the road, but I'll see you at a Meekum auction because you guys seem to have one every month. <laughs> I will look for you there. I, I appreciate the opportunity and I always enjoy talking with you. Oh, this is great fun, Dave. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.